At JCPenney, fashion counts for everybody and everybody. The weather is getting warmer and it's time to swap my winter layers for fun, vibrant, and cool clothing with so many fun things happening this spring like Mother's Day and the Wind Down Tour. It's hard to find great looking clothes that fit you just right. That's why I love JCPenney. JCPenney has so many stylish and comfortable options for so many different body types. I've been blown away by their selection and everything hugs my body in all the right spots. Refresh your wardrobe this spring with style that gets you. Something to wear that fits your favorite moments of the season at prices that feel just as good. Discover brands that get you and put style and comfort first, like Worthington and Liz Claiborne for her, each in women's petite and plus sizes. Here, spring comes in all shapes, sizes, and colors. JCPenney, make everybody count. What does every grocery store aisle now have in common? Products that come in paper packaging. And we don't just mean the obvious ones like cereal boxes and juice cartons. From beauty products to boxed water, there are more opportunities to go paper-tarian than ever before. So why should you? Because paper comes from a renewable resource and can be recycled up to seven times. Simply put, it's the smart choice for the environment. And it turns out, the easiest choice for you. Learn more at howlifeunfolds.com slash papertarian. This is the Steelers Standard on Steelers Nation Radio and Podcast on Steelers.com. What is going on with some of the predictive measures with this game? I'm looking at ESPN.com right now in the football power index that they have. 63% chance that the Saints win. What? What? And the line is at the line's at what? One and a half right now. So if that's any the Steelers indication, a 35% chance to win a game at home against a 3 and 6 team? What? Yeah, what? It's, that's That's You're also you're a 3 and 6 team or you're a 2 and 6 team hosting a 3 and 6 team who and we just went down the injury report for you in their previous episode. Key guys missing on both offense and defense or maybe not missing but could come out not 100% and you're telling me they have a 66% chance of winning that game? What tell me Tom what are the Saints doing that's so much better than the Steelers are right now? They are moving the ball up and down the field more. There's I mean like six who is yards who to gain offense, right? But they turn the ball over like crazy. Right, we we pointed that out, we pointed that out earlier this yeah, week. Yeah, they have 17 giveaways, the most mm-hmm. in the NFL. Andy Dalton or not Andy Dalton, but the quarterback position has 10 interceptions total. That's the most in the NFL and they've coughed up seven fumbles, which is the most in the NFL. So yeah. That's your key right there. Right out of the gate, easiest thing to identify for me is turn the ball over. They're probably going to march up and down the field a few times on you, but just give it some time and Dalton's going to make a mistake. Someone's going to put the ball on the turf. Make sure you come up with it. You know, Make sure there's not a, oh, my God, a fumble, but the Saints are covered. Thank mm. God. You got to get on that thing. You got to pick them off a couple times. Pick them off and take it deep into Saints territory a couple times to help the offense out uh, for the Steelers. But, you know, I, we'll talk about the offense a lot in this episode, and we want to see things start to click for them, and we want to see them be mm-hmm. reasons why t- this team wins games because, quite frankly, the Bengals game and the Buccaneers game, your two wins, that was on the shoulders of the defense. Of course, the offense had to make some plays. Mitch had to make plays in both of those games to win them. But the defense was the reason why you pretty much won both of those games. So, oh, without question. I know we want to see in the second half a game where we can be like, the offense went out and won a game. The defense yielded 25 points, but they scored 28. So it doesn't matter. 
I know we want to see that, but this week I'm looking at the defense again just because the opponent you're playing is so ripe for the picking for a defense to dominate and and win the game for you. I don't think it's worth a debate, Tom, to say who deserves credit for the Bengals win and the, and the Buccaneers win. The Buccaneers win, I understand where people could people could say the opposite because now, at the time, everyone thought, oh, well, it's Brady coming to town. He's got Godwin back. He's got Mike Evans back. That offense should be high-flying, 30 points a game every week. Leonard Fournette doing crazy things. Now, all these weeks later, we've seen how much that offense is idled. And as you've pointed out, had it not been for a really bad pass interference call in the end zone by the Rams defender, which led to the Buccaneers touchdown, and... The uh, Jeanette pa- or roughing the passer call on Tom Brady, which extended the Buccaneers drive to then beat the Falcons. If it weren't for those two plays, the Buccaneers probably would have lost both of those games. And they'd be considered one of the worst teams in the league right now because I think they have four wins. So they'd be a two and six team, just like the Steelers are. So they'd be right in that same tier as Pittsburgh, but they aren't. So I think, and then if you couple that with, um, <clears throat> Mitch Trubisky leading the offense to a Chase Claypool touchdown and then icing the game on a six-minute drive to finish that game. I can see how people can say, oh, well, the offense won you the game at the very end, but the defense stifled Tom Brady uh, in that Bucks game, and the defense obliterated Joe Burrow. I mean, the only game in his career of which he threw three interceptions, they had seven sacks, they had, I think, another turnover. Uh, <clears throat> we know about the Minka uh, pick six. They had, what, three interceptions, Seven sacks, I think another forced fumble by T.J. Watt himself, So, or maybe it was Alex Highsmith, but the defense won that game for the Steelers no matter what you say. Um, so I agree with you. It's great to see defensive performances, but you want to, at this point, eight weeks in, or I guess nine games in, rather, say, okay, the offense was able to go out there and win this game for us, and they have not come close to that, I think. The only time I could point to, Tom, was the Buccaneers game. So the formula's pretty easy defensively. It's harass Andy Dalton, yeah. get him to throw a couple picks, come away with some turnovers, and you'll probably be in a good position to win the football game. Mm-hmm. Offensively, the Saints' defense on paper is is much better than it's played this year. <clears throat> they have guys that are going to be injured in this game that are key contributors. We talked about that in the last episode. One thing that I look at, though, as their big weakness, they're like 16th, 17th in the league at stopping the run. Maybe even a little bit worse than that. So get some ground game going if you're the Steelers. And and honestly, furthermore, I look around the league and I look at quarterbacks that are meh but are playing above their head, or at least we thought they were meh. And, and the one that really obviously is the big flashing billboard sign on the highway of, of this example is Geno Smith in Seattle. And I think Geno Smith's a much better quarterback right now than Kenny Pickett is. Sure. But at the same time, he's got a really good running game that he's got with Kenneth Walker right now. And it's making life easier for him. And the Steelers don't have that. And I think that's such a key component to developing a young rookie quarterback is is having that running aspect to your game and making just life a lot easier mm-hmm. on them. I mean, of course you'll have the Josh Allens and the Pat Mahomes where they never really had that dominant running game to help you know, establish them in their career, that's going to happen. There's going to be outliers. But look at Jalen Hurts. I mean, all the Eagles do is run the ball. Mm-hmm. Look at the Ravens with Lamar. They run first. 
The Bears are doing the same thing with the Justin Fields pick. They're making him a better player by running first and using the run to set up his passing. The Seahawks do the same thing. When Burrow was coming along, Joe Mixon was already pretty much establishing himself as a really good running back. You know, it's really beneficial to a young quarterback to have a strong running game. So I really want to see the Steelers get that rolling this week against the Saints. Who's going to be the guy in the backfield, though? Might be more of a question than it ever has been. Listen to this stat. Steelers running back touches this year. Najee Harris has 132. Jalen Warren has 41. Touches that have gained 10-plus yards. Najee Harris has 12. Jalen Warren has 13. Team. Now, so a third, a third of Jalen Warrens have gone for 10 But yards. I will say this. A lot of it came in came garbage time. Came in garbage time. time. Yeah. Defense is playing against the pass. Sure. They get hit with a draw play that goes for 9 yards, 10 yards. Uh, the B team's out there for the defense because it's late in the games. Or just, I mean, I don't want to tell secrets out of class, but when the teams are up by four touchdowns, do you think the defensive linemen are playing 100% at that point in the game? Mm-hmm. I don't. So... Yeah. There's a little bit of an asterisk, I think, onto that Jalen Warren statistic, but sure. I do think it shows you that he runs hard. He always falls forward, AFF, always. as Max and, and Wolf like to call him. And I don't think that's that swing pass to Najee that he danced around to is seared oh. in I think Jalen Warren picks that up, no question. No question? I, Najee Harris a year ago, Tom. Yeah. Najee Harris in training camp picks it up. I don't know what's happened to him since the start of the regular season because it's not the same Najee Harris that you saw. Again, I won't even, I, you don't even have to go as far back as last year. Go to August. A couple of months ago in training camp, he was destroying defenders. I, met, I, I, I won't say it's talent. I think he's talented. I think he's got the size and build and talent, that combination to be a legitimate number one running back in the NFL. I think it's mental. Something switched in him that he's not able to to run the same way he used to. That's what Merrill Hodge thinks on that Steelers preview show. He said it multiple times that you produced on DV mm-hmm. on Thursday nights with Mike Brzezuda and Matt Williamson. And Hodge thinks, you know, he's gun shy, kind of like a quarterback yes. that's been hit too many times. Yes. He's a little gun shy behind that offensive line. And it's even come to him, it's come to the point where he said things like, I can't make the holes for myself. Well, A lot of statistics and a lot of metrics would tell you otherwise, Najee, that first of all, the holes are there and you're just not hitting them. But Mm -hmm. also, that's just not true of a thing to say. Not at all. You can make the holes for yourself. Absolutely. You did it all last year, in fact. So good running backs run when the holes aren't there. We know the amount of carries he had on the yards per carries he had and the the, the, the total uh, yardage he had at this season's end. You don't create the holes... Or, or you don't get to those numbers, 1,200 yards on the ground and and a couple of extra 100 yards through the air without creating holes for yourself. So the fact that he's having a better offensive line at his availability and doing even worse than he did last year has to tell me it's something mentally within him. Because remember, the big story coming out of training camp, or going into training camp rather, was, oh my gosh, Najee Harris looks like he could kill a man by just running over, running into him. He was that big. He was... He was that physically imposing on other people or physically intimidating on other people. And again, he was he was he was having a fine training camp. Yeah, he was dealing with a Liz Frank injury later on, but when he was still out there, when he was healthy, he was destroying guys. So something must have happened, Tom, mentally. I'm a hundred percent convinced of it. Because this would not be happening 
to the Najee Harris of last year. So what do you do? Do you start Jalen Warren now, or do you? No, I you do think not. Twenty two st- gets the first. Don't carry? get me wrong. I love the upside to Jalen Warren. Obviously, Najee Harris has more just because of the guy he is coming out of Alabama, a first-round draft pick, Jalen Warren, undrafted. I, If you bench Najee Harris, like I, we've already said, something mentally within him has changed. If you bench him, say goodbye because you're not only dealing with a guy who's going through something mentally, obviously, at the moment— but you're just going to compound upon that. I do not want to start Jalen Warren. Again, I love his effort and I love his burst, but that's not he he's so much better served as the guy who comes in for relief of Najee Harris. And again, we you can throw out all the numbers you want. Yards per carry, first down runs, explosive runs, all you want. Jalen Warren probably leads the team in all of those in terms of the running backs. But I you you have to just let Najee Harris play. And, and if it gets to that he struggles so much so that his numbers get even worse, maybe I could see it happening. Maybe. But for the future, I need Najee Harris as the number one running back. Right? I mean, you just can't move forward without him being that number one guy. Well, I don't think Jalen Warren is the number one back. I think right, he's exactly. a really good number two. That's exactly and what I just said. He's going to get worse the more you use it. Yes. Is how I would predict Jalen Warren I going. think that's a great point. So I would continue to try to utilize the workload that you have been so far. Maybe sprinkle and warn a little bit more, but it needs to be mostly Najee. And again, wins and losses don't matter as much, but what does matter in 2022 is him starting to look like the old 2021 Najee. Him starting to get back on track a little bit more with his game. So I, I would continue to ride him out. I would, even if, you know, weeks go by now and it's still kind of the same old song, I would probably just play him for the remainder of the season hoping that you'll see something, you'll start to see a, a spark or something that is is showing you optimism for the future. And then if not, you go into the offseason and you really have to have a serious conversation with yourself when it comes to that position. But I give him as many reps as possible from here until the end of the season I agree. to work his way out of this funk. I, I think it's the best. First of all, I think it's if you're trying to win games now, it's your best bet because I think if he does work his way out of his slump, he's your best player on offense. And then I also think that in the future – if he works his way out of this slump, you know, get him some confidence, maybe knock some of that fear out of him or that trepidation out of him when it comes to running a little tentatively because he's had a good second half of a season to look back and reflect on and watch film on and and realize the right way to run. Tom, would you say next offseason, the number one priority has to be getting Najee Harris back to the Najee Harris of his rookie year. That's number one priority? For the offense. No. Oh. Number two priority. Number Behind one Kenny priority Pickett. is get Kenny Pickett into looking like a starting NFL quarterback. I'm saying in the offseason, though, because that Kenny Pickett is more so, that's easier done during real games, I think. Do you think maybe with Najee it comes down to getting back in the weight room and getting some of that weight off? Because yeah, you he know, bulked that's up that, a lot you know, this year. I know you know this because you host the shows with him. Tim Ben says that all the time, that it's a combination of he's dealing with the injury, it's a combination of, and it, and it's a combination of he put on that weight, but it may not have been the right kind of weight to put on. Right, and it might and where be a lot of people like now. Where a lot of people like you and I both did thought, oh my gosh, he's even bigger, he's going to be even harder to take down, but maybe it was kind of in the Eddie Lacy direction. Do you remember Eddie Lacy won Offensive Rookie of the Year over Le'Veon Bell? 
but everyone remembers the career of Le'Veon Bell a lot easier than Eddie Lacy because he fizzled out within I think, three years in Green Bay because he just put on so much weight and couldn't lose it and just couldn't run the ball anymore. He was just too big. Now he was fat though. Najee, that's, that's, yeah, yeah, Najee's yeah. not. He's got <laughs> no, these but big I'm saying, thighs, like, but like you got it. Yeah, you got to maybe become a little more nimble. If you're going to put on that weight, you better use it, and you mm-hmm. better not dance around on a swing pass. Yes, you have the weight. Just use that weight to carry you forward. Yep, and instead he acted like he lost the uh-huh. the equivalent that he put on. He, he acted like he, he lost that. He, he acted like, like he was that. Deontay Johnson. And that's about 100 pounds lighter. That's maybe. fine if you want to be that back, but you gotta you gotta bring it down to earth a little bit more mm-hmm. when it comes to your your rapid addition addition your rapid addition of muscle because it's, my, it's clearly not working the way you hoped it. My would. thought process is that his thought process has to be askew because not a single person watching that game, Tom, when he caught that pass in the open field with only three yards to gain and ended up getting a one yard loss or a zero yard gain. There wasn't a single person watching that game saying, "Why?" in the moment, not just reacting, oh my God, he's going to run forward, right? Najee Harris caught the ball open field. Okay, great, he's got the first down because he's just going to run forward. There wasn't a single person on this planet who was watching that game other than Najee Harris who had that thought process. So I'm I, that play alone convinces me that something is just up there that he needs to fix. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter. Let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to Point Game, King of the Court one-on-one tournament. If they had it back in your prime, do you think you could have took it all? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I could have took it all, but I think I would have shocked a lot of people. I think Kobe and everybody in their prime, Kobe would win a one-on-one contest. Yeah, I, yeah, because you got to think, Love he's going to guard. He don't care about guarding. He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. like that, see that? Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. And then I, his, he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because he didn't need it. <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. Now there's one less mouth to feed on the offensive side yes. of the ball. This will be the Steelers' first game without mm-hmm. Mr. Chase Claypool. Interesting to see what they do in that slot. Uh, I think Steven Sims is going to get a shot. Yeah. I, I think Deontay can get a little more involved, Maybe too. a little bit more. I wouldn't be surprised if Miles Boykin got a couple of plays in the slot. Here's the problem with that, though. I think Miles Boykin's one of their better blocking wide receivers, other than maybe George Pickens, who's really good at that. So he just far. pushes he just people pushes down without effort. Yeah, right. But Miles Boykin will get in there and do some dirty work and block out of the slot. He's had a lot of experience playing in the slot before. But the problem with that is you can't just put Miles Boykin in the slot when you're going to run and put Steven Sims in the slot when you're going to do a reverse or pass the ball because then the defense mm-hmm. is just going to know. So you need to put Boykin out there, have him run some routes if you're going to go that way, and have him for passing and running downs. And I think Boykin can do that. He's he's definitely been around the block enough to know how to play the position for yeah. 60 minutes in that number four role, number three role. I don't want to see Oshevsky in there. I, I no, think it's between no, no, Sims no, 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 and no, no, Boykin no, no, no. Is, your, is your two best I agree. There. And I kind of lean towards the Steelers going towards Sims because I think they really like the Sims guy. I think they see not just a – Nice placeholder for Chase and, and who's mm-hmm. going to be in the slot for the rest of this year and a good punt returner. I think they might see something in this guy as a number four option. But I'll bring I'll bring up a point that Matt Williamson brought up earlier this week is you don't want Steven Sims turning into 
Jalen Samuels of old or Ray Ray McLeod of old, where the Steelers were giving Ray Ray and Jalen Samuels the ball more so than Chase Claypool and Deontay Johnson at one point during right. the season. And whenever you saw them come out onto the field, opposing defenses knew, great, the ball is going to Ray Ray. So let's just focus on him. So you don't want Steven Sims to have that same kind of identity where he's only out there for weird trick plays, and if you see him out there as the opposing defense, you know the ball is going in his direction. I think having less mouths to feed is a good thing for Kenny Pickett yep. at this point in his career. I agree. I, I think, think it's a great. Can, I think it's a great point. I think they need to simplify things on that offense for him, and I think they need to make some plays that are designed to get the ball sixty yards down the field in one hit. Did you see the tweet by Warren Sharp earlier this week? No, was it bad? It was listing every team's oh, longest touchdown play. Yeah. So not it only is, it, not, spoiler, it is bad. Not only it's really bad. Not only was the number one team Buffalo with a touchdown pass of Who gave 98 yards by the Steelers. The Steelers ranked dead last. This is this he listed every team's longest touchdown play, not drive, but individual play of the season so far. Buffalo was first at 98, allowed by the Steelers, and dead last was the Steelers. Do you know the number? Eight. Eight yards is the longest touchdown play. Do you know who second place was? The Chargers? At 10 no, or 12? No. Yeah. 23. Oh, really? 23 was 31st yeah, in the well, NFL. They're the only team to not score a touchdown outside of the red zone this year. And you want to know something even more shocking? I don't. Jerry, I really don't. Jerry Dulac added this on to that stat because Mark, when he was on Mark's show yesterday, uh-huh. brought that up. Every single one of the Steelers' touchdowns. Yeah, you're sorry. You are. I, I don't know why I thought it was a, such a small number. 23 yards by the Chargers. Every single one of the Steelers' touchdowns offensively, add up the total yardage of them, doesn't equal Minka Fitzpatrick's pick six. The yardage covered in, wow. what was it, like 39, 40 yards that he took that to the house Something against Joe like Burrow? That. Wow. I mean, think you can count it. Like, there's been like five that have been on the two, right? Yeah, like, right. Two, the one. <laughs> Kenny snuck that one in, so... They have to get Minkus more explosive. Minkus was a 31-yard interception. They have to get more explosive. They they have to, have to, have to. You you can score once, twice, 14-play, 15-play methodical drive. you got to score on three plays. you got to score on six plays. It's just not sustainable, especially with such a young offense and young team, to go on 15-play drives mm-hmm. every single time you touch the football. No, I agree, and... Not only are they not scoring from long distances, distances. Sorry, Tom, they're not scoring. Yeah, just in general, they're just not scoring. They just had since since week one against the Bengals, they have not put up more than two touchdowns in a single game on offense. Right, the defense has helped out some with at least that makeup pick against the the Bengals. So, I mean. It's dire right now when it comes to the Steelers' offense. There's no question. And, you know, we're saying more big plays, and that might be just wishful thinking with the way that things are going right now. They are they are the second-worst offense in football. Only behind the Colts? As far as points per game yeah. are concerned. But I mean, the Colts are pretty bad, too. But here's the thing, dude. The Colts average 14.7 per game. The Steelers average 15 even. They're like .3 it's, points better than the Colts. Yeah, it's, it's not, not great. that much better than the Colts. 15 look, points a game. So you uh, Yep, 15 points per game That's for the it. Steelers' offense. So, like, That's think it. about this. You... Look at the Colts right now, and you laugh, right, about how much of a train wreck that organization is. They fire offensive coordinator, then they fire head coach, then they promote Sam Ellinger over not just Matt Ryan, but Nick Foles as well. So an MVP and a Super Bowl MVP, nah. Mm. We're going to go with uh, Sam Ellinger, the sixth-round pick out of Texas, who really had no potential at all in the NFL other than being a good backup. 
They go with that guy. They bring in Jeff Saturday. Now Dan Orlovsky's out there saying, I'd love to be a part of that front office. <laughs> so we're going to have like the team ESPN, where like the ESPN newsroom right. is going to be running a full. You're just point three points better than that. You know? Yeah. Like that's really humbling. Like all of that hilarity and all of that clown show and all of that circus that you're seeing in the indie organization, you're point three points per game better than that. And you have more stability, there's no question about that, than that train wreck of an organization. Mm-hmm. And I think you're handling this kind of a season with a lot more grace than that wacko Jim Irsay is. But still, that's shocking to think about and shocking to to really process that information to me. Colts are embarrassing, no question. Biggest embarrassment of the year. You know, Jacksonville last year, Indy this year, as far as their biggest embarrassments in the NFL. Steelers aren't at that level embarrassment-wise, right. but on paper, they're not that much better. No, no. I think the only thing protecting them from the lack of respect from the rest of the NFL and their fan bases is the fact that it's the logo. It's the right? logo. It's it's Coach Tomlin. It's, it's the just fact so, that there's so, a rookie in that has potential, not like Elliott. It's so hard to believe that the Steelers are operating at this this low of a level, right? It's Teams are out there saying— Oh my gosh, we're just going to put up 38 points on the Steelers and they're going to put up 13? Okay. Are you sure? Are you am I being punked? Is Ashton Kutcher waiting around the hallway? It's just, you don't you don't expect it of this team. Pretty surprising as well that the Rams are fourth lowest in scoring and that the Bucks Nears are like the 10th lowest in scoring. The Bucks Nears. The, the, the Packers, well I'm sneering at them, the yeah. Bucks Nears, but the Packers are also like averaging 16 points. Like it's a weird year in the NFL. A lot yeah, of it's very, it's a very weird, varied weird year. Sorry. Who's gonna get 100 yards receiving in this game? Deontay Pickens or both? Oh, not both. Not both. You can't, <laughs> can't have your cake and eat it too. I, I don't think in this like game. I feel like Pickens is. The I want to say Deontay. For, okay. I want to say. I want Deontay. Right, but I feel like Pickens has emerged as Kenny's target. I, I feel like that is. I feel like it's coming, yeah, and it's, it's going to be even more so now that Chase. Well, I'd, is I'd say it's one A one B with George and then Pat. Yeah, but Pat, even I think Kenny would gravitate towards Chase a little bit in the middle of the field as well. I think him and Pat were kind of splitting things a little bit. But now that's yeah, even I mean, more. It's the Pat, it's the Pat a, show now. Yeah, right. It's but Pat's field. I think Pickens is his guy. I think Kenny realizes like Pickens should be anybody's guy. Right. I think Put Kenny Pickens realizes, on any team yes, in any court, uh, any like Josh Allen, right? Or Pat Mahomes. Kenny realizes I've got a number one here. Yeah. And let's start early as far as developing mm-hmm. this chemistry. And I'm gonna feed him the ball. It's pretty nice. I mean, if these guys both stick around for a long time, this and they both pan out, right? I think George Pickens. I think he's gonna pan out. Yeah, I don't think there's right. any question about that. It's it's if Kenny can, that could be a really great marriage for eight, ten years. Oh yeah, and the fact that you're getting a lot of practice with each other, young, you're, you early came in, in the, the same rookie class. Yep, you came in first round, second round. I know. So I, I hope it's Deontay, like you're saying, because I think he, I just mm-hmm. want to see him get 100 yards on the season. Yeah, I think it's more important that Deontay gets it. But I feel like it's going to be Pickens. You know, I, I think it's, yeah. A bye yeah, week right. now. Maybe, yeah, right. Maybe if there's any change in the offense after the bye week, it's utilizing plays that go towards number 14 more. Okay. Making him more of a central piece of your offense. Okay. Because I think there's a lot of times in the first half of the season where he disappears in, in games. And mm-hmm. people are watching at home and they're going, where is George Pickens? Why have they not decided to throw the ball to George Pickens? And I think that's a guy that when no nothing else is working, hey, 14 down there somewhere, right? Mm-hmm. Just throw it up and see if he can Screw make it. a play. 
Did you see that play last night where Desmond Ritter got sacked and still threw the ball? He's like, screw it. Kyle Pitts is down there somewhere. I'm going to tell you, you this the same right thing now. with Pickens. I didn't watch a single second of that game. I saw it on Twitter. So that's I didn't watch a single second I watched it on, of that I saw it on game Twitter. last night. That is cruel and unusual. Warren Sharp was tweeting about cruel it. Cruel and unusual punishment right there. Hey, subscribe to the Mike Tomlin Game Day Podcast. Steelers Digest editor Bob Labriola talks with head coach Mike Tomlin about the upcoming game. New episodes drop every game day. <clears throat> it's available on the Steelers mobile app, the iHeartRadio app, and wherever you get your podcasts. It's damn weather changing, man. It's making my throat it's all uh, scratchy. Very conducive to say things like the Raiders, <laughs> but not much else. Uh, so subscribe to the Mike Tomlin Game Day Podcast. You're never going to hear Coach T speak more candidly than he does with Labs in his sit-down prior two games. This will be your first one in two weeks coming up. Yes, it will. And this will be our first time seeing the Steelers in action in two weeks, 1 o'clock at Akershore Stadium against the Saints. We've got a Fireside Friday coming your way next. We'll break down that game last night. Just kidding, because no one watched it. We'll talk about the <laughs> upcoming matchups in the Week 11 slate of the NFL season. Actually, it's Week 10. I don't want to throw a week away yeah. prematurely. We have... Got to hold on to as much football as right. we possibly we're, we're can. Right, we're in double digits here. We're in the part and I'm of the season skipping where week ten. I'm already upset how how deep into the season we are. So week week ten preview coming up, and of course we'll give you our triple play. That's all on the way in our final episode of the Steelers Standard. He's Jacob Recht. I'm Tom Opperman. Keep on listening. Get in zone, AutoZone. Welcome to AutoZone. What are you working on today? I got to change the oil in my car right now. Get five quarts of Pennzoil Platinum Full Synthetic. With an STP Extended Life Oil Filter for only $36.99. What do I do with my old oil? We can recycle your used oil for free. And do you have oil for my old work truck? You can find the right high mileage oil to help it go farther. Right here at AutoZone. Restrictions apply. This episode brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Director Wes Ball breathes new life into the epic franchise. As a ruthless king attempts to build his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape begins a journey to fight for a future for apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Enter the kingdom in IMAX on May 10th and theaters everywhere. Get tickets now.